Welcome to The Rock's Podcast. On today's podcast, Pastor Sabet Kuj, missionary in South Sudan, shares the story of his dramatic conversion to Christ in a message entitled, From 50% Muslim to 100% Christian. And now, for Pastor Sabet. Well, as usual, the Lord is up to... Uh, his tricks as he loves to do little sovereign works of grace because we have visiting, as a coincidence, Pastor Solomon and Mabel from Kenya who are visiting Calvary Chapel Petaluma who happened to be acquaintances of Pastor Sabet. So they are here. Why don't we welcome them? Why don't you stand here? You've been serving the Lord in Kenya for how many years? Or you've been serving the Lord there for how many years? For 20 years. And Calvary Chapel, Petaluma, came over about how many years ago? Since 1998. Was that when Pastor Jay came? Right. And I was le- I left behind so that I could preach while they were gone, right? So Chris Blostone and Tom Freitas and Jenny. Tom Freitas is here as well. Tom, why don't you stand wherever you are? Tom is a dear friend of ours as well. And so you two know each other. How far are you away You're from each other? Sudan. Yeah. Right. Right, but you two know each other from a... We met in Uganda at a conference, pastor's conference. Yes. Calvary Chapel pastor's conference that was in Entebbe. That's where we met. Right. And so you're hugging here in Northern California. (laughs) That is just crazy. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. It's so good to see you and uh, uh, hear about what God's doing in your hearts and lives as well. there in Calvary Petaluma as well. So uh, we welcome you. God bless you. Yes. We hope now you have someone to leave behind preaching. I do. I I do. Yes, we would like to come, you know, as long as you don't have snakes in your part. (laughs) (laughs) It's an inside joke. I know it's Africa, Tom. (laughs) I know, I got some snake stories for you later. All right, well, you know, uh, South Sudan is in the news every day now. Uh, it probably was in the news a few days ago before Savet came, but now we're really paying attention. And the civil war there is heating up. Things are getting more and more difficult. But uh, even today and yesterday, headline news, South Sudan. And so they're predicting the famine is going to be worse than ever if they don't get things resolved because this is the crop planting time. And um, um, so we're really got to pray our dear friends and the ministry and the work of God uh, there in South Sudan, now that God has really directed our hearts, you know, and so with that, Pastor Sabet, why don't you come on up here? 
And we welcome you again. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm, again, I'm really honored. Um, the way I'm seeing this is happening or folding out is about in 1998, we had a famine back then. And uh, missionaries all over from Calvary Chapel, including Tom, and I didn't know that Pastor Ross was in Petaluma, and Jay came, and people from Southern California came and helped. And, and the way I see it, God has sown a seed back then using missionaries. And now, after 15 years, I'm coming back and seeing the people that were behind it, that were not able to go, but they were descending and the sower and the prayer warriors back at home here. And it's absolutely an honor for me because God is showing me, you know, the people that were faithfully praying, sending these missionaries that I came to be involved in the mission work. Uh, so that's really an honor. Let me start with a word of prayer, and then I'll read a scripture, and then I'll start with my testimony. Uh, Father Lord, <clears throat> uh, I thank you so much because it is about you. Uh, you are so good. You're so loving. You're so compassionate. And um, your work, Lord, is amazing, Lord, how you bring your children from all over the world, Lord, and you connected them, Lord. And it's all because of what you've done on the cross, dying on, a, dying on our behalf, purchasing us with your blood for something precious, for something beautiful, so that we spend eternity with you. Thank you for that. Uh, speak to our hearts, encourage us, and may you get all the glory tonight. In Amen. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. The scripture that I want to share, it's in Luke, uh, Luke 11, uh, it's uh, from um, verse 10, for everyone, for, 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 okay, all right, all right, no problem. Okay, let's read the scripture. Um, Why don't we just pause and pray? pray? Yes, yes. Please. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit. We ask for Monica that your healing hand will be upon her. This medical condition, Lord, that you'd give her peace. And you'd help us, Lord, to just uh, go forward in wisdom and sensitivity to your spirit. We thank you for your peace and your power. Amen. 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 Thank you. Okay, uh, Luke 11 and from verse 9, it says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks find. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for a bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? 
Or if he ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. The reason I bring this verse, because all of us, uh, in a way or in one way or in another, we have this eternal vacuum in our hearts that we all try to fill with something, but we can't, and we try all, like we try everything possible, and it never gets filled. And God, through his Holy Spirit, he will bring us to a place that would ask of him. And then in his amazing ways, he will answer that prayer and then bring us to repentance. And then we, uh, he open our eyes and then we see Jesus, our Savior. We accept him and then become his children. Uh, my story starts, I was born to um, my parents uh, they, because of the war in South Sudan. Sudan has a war late in the um, in the 60s all the way to 72. This is the second war that we had. And uh, because of that war, my dad had to flee uh, the south and go look for work in Khartoum, the north. And, um, and while he's doing that, he took my mom and uh, he didn't pay any dowries. He didn't pay any cows. He stole my mom. <laughs> he was a smart guy. <laughs> And, uh, but we paid it like children, like we never, we heard about that so much from my uncle who was always saying, your dad didn't pay anything, you have to pay. <laughs> anyway, so I was born with my siblings in Khartoum, that's the capital of North Sudan right now. And there, as I say in Sunday, that everybody there is Muslim. Only the people who are Christian by name, nominal Christian or Catholic, they were from the South. And uh, <clears throat> I went to a public school where everybody spoke Arabic. I did my school in Arabic. So Arabic actually my first language, write and read. And uh, uh, my parents were going to a Catholic church, so they took me there. Uh, I did all the the secrets, you know, I was baptized as infant and then had the communion and then had the confirmation. And by the age of 13, 14, uh, I started becoming aware of spiritual things. All my friends in the neighborhood will take me to their Quran midweeks study. And I would go, and first I would go because of the food. You know, as a kid, I really like, and these guys, they had really nice uh, food they were cooking. So I would go there, and then what they would do, they would start teaching Quran. So they would teach Quran, and uh, all my kids, the kids my age, memorize so much surah, uh, surah and chapters of the Quran. Uh, one or two memorized the entire book, and I was so amazed. They knew so much about their faith. They knew about the five pillars of Islam. Uh, they knew like, uh, uh, like some things that are theological in the Islamic faith that at my age, and they're my peers, I was so amazed. It seemed to be so real. They fasted in Ramadan. They prayed five times a day. And I was really moved by that. And I started memorizing Quran. 
uh, memorize Surah Al-Fatiha, and that's kind of like our Father who art in heaven for Christian, and uh, memorize that down. Before I know it, I start going with them to the mosque, actually. I start going, praying. I knew how to pray in Islam. I knew how to wash, you know, how many times. And, and go. the same time, I was going to the Catholic Church. So I would go there because all my friends were there, uh, the other friends, the southern friends. Uh, they would go there. I would go and never understood anything. Uh, while the priests were teaching there, and uh, uh, was very confused. I knew some stuff in the Christian faith that I knew it never agreed with this, with Quran and with Islam. For instance, Christians say, "Oh, Jesus came and died on the cross." Islam deny that fact. It says that Jesus never died, but God actually. Uh, replace him with somebody else from his disciples. They believe it's Judas. He took Jesus' face, a print of Jesus' face, and put it in Judas. So the Jewish people took Judas and crucified, and they believe they crucified the wrong guy. Uh, but Jesus never uh, died. But they believe he went to heaven. Uh, and that's a huge factor. Uh, so I knew that. I knew... I knew they didn't believe that he was son of God. That was a big obstacle to them. They couldn't understand. And a lot of time they said, does God have a wife then? They couldn't understand that. Uh, studying Arabic, and this is, if you're ministering to a Muslim friend, this is very good to know. When you say a son in Arabic language, it's mean the same kind. So when I say Sabit, the son of Kuj, it's mean Sabit, the same as Kuj. It's very interesting. So actually there's a translation. When you say in Arabic, Jesus is the son of God, you're saying Jesus is God. And that's why they refuse that completely. So, and uh, it, they couldn't absolutely, one of the obstacle, big obstacle for Muslim to come to the Lord is just that. Uh, one day I was in school, I was in junior high then, and uh, uh, coming, uh, and in school, uh, sometimes I would sit when it's uh, the lesson, this, the lesson is Islamic, I would sit and study with them, sometimes I would go out, I don't want to do that. Uh, some of my friends actually, they don't want me to be there because they would think I'm a Christian, so they would uh, say you are uh, infidel. Unless if you are Muslim, then you are allowed to be in that class. Uh, some of them, they hated that. They said, you, you should, we should uh, treat you as the Quran uh, teach in, in, in back in Muhammad's time, the slaves. You should pay taxes. You should be put to work. And uh, you're not equal as a, a Muslim. You are lower. And, uh, and that was very hurtful um, one day I was coming back from school, and this a friend of mine who is Muslim, he, in a very sincere way, he started telling me, Sabit, you are going to go to hell, because I see you are not a really serious Muslim, and uh, you, you are in between. And uh, if you don't say the shahada, that you confess that Muhammad is a prophet, came from God, uh, and God, uh, Allah, the Islam, and you say that saying, and uh, you start declaring it to everybody, you're going to go to hell. 
And the conversation it went like for two hours. That night I was so disturbed. For, a re- for some reason I found myself, I couldn't sleep. I found myself saying to God, God, I don't want to go to hell. I lived as a poor, in a poor family, in a country that torn by war. And it just doesn't seem fair. You see very bad stuff growing up and then you die and you go to hell. Because I don't know how. I, the Christians say this, and Islam says this. I don't know, I'm confused. If you're so real, if you are real, and you could hear me right now, show yourself to me, and I will, if, whether it's Islam, I will adopt and become a true Muslim. If it's Christianity, I'll be becoming real about my, my faith in Christianity. Just show me the truth, the truth, and show me the way to you. And then went to sleep after that, and uh, a month later, I all, already I forgot about that. A month later, for the first time, uh, a friend asked me to go to, with him to a youth camp, a Christian youth camp. And uh, they say he, they study about uh, the Bible, and, uh, and also there's girls there, so that's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I was excited for that fact, and I was like, okay, that will be fun, let's go. So uh, we worked in the summer, we saved some money, and then we went. Uh, we went. Now, going to the youth camp, this, that was my first time to see true believers. The first thing that opened my eyes when we're worshiping, these believers, it was so sincere coming from the heart. Some were raising their hands, some closed their eyes, some, just their face expression, they were connected with God and they were in a different spirit. I'm like, wow, that's really looked nice. And, and then the other thing, while they were speaking, and communicating, they were so kind. They were so there was this special love that coming from them, and then they had this peace. Nothing bothered them, nothing at all. They had just this peace in their heart as they talked with one another. And then the last one, and I was very surprised because I never met any Christian up till that point memorize verses from the Bible. They knew a scripture like in an amazing way, and it just comes out of their mouth. And, and I will check it later, and I find exactly what they're saying. It was memorized. Oh, only new Muslims can do that, and never new Christian, or at least the Catholic Church, would know that, uh, would do that. And then the conference. The theme of the conference was taken from the book of John, chapter 9, verse 25. The story of the blind man, uh, where he was asked by the Pharisees, tell us, does this man heal you? And then he tells them, you know, whether Jesus Christ is a sinner or not, I do not know. What I know, I was blind, though I was blind, but now I see. And later on, I see that was exactly speaking my life. Because part of me was in the Catholic Church, part of me was in the Islam faith, but never, I was so blind to that truth. And uh, one night in the youth camp, I had this vision. I was in one side, and there was this big, huge concrete wall separating me from God on the other side. And then I, trying with all my might, to climb or go through this giant wall to get to God's side. 
And I couldn't. I tried several times. I couldn't. And the vision ended like that. In the morning, I was just thinking about that and what it means. One of the pastors, Egyptian pastor, came to me. He was one of the pastors in the conference. And I asked me, he asked me, Sabit, have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in your life? And I told him, oh, well, what do you mean? I'm a Catholic. And he said, okay. He sat me down and he started sharing the gospel with me. And one thing that he told me, and Jim told me this today uh, about his own testimony. He told me, whether you, if you were the only man in this planet, Jesus Christ or God would have still sent his son to die on your behalf. That's how much he loves you. And that's how much is personal. Though he died for the world, but it was personally for you. And I believe that vision that you had, it was you couldn't get to him on your own power in your own work. You have, you need a savior. You need somebody to take you to him. And then he asked me, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as savior? And I said, yes. So we start praying. We start praying. I asked Jesus Christ to be my savior. And then uh, we went back to the, to the sessions and we start uh, start understanding things. And then the conference finished. And while I was taking my stuff and going home, all of a sudden, I start feeling, like feeling very light as if something heavy was taken off of my shoulder. And then I was feeling this special joy in my heart. And I was very surprised. This is the first time in my life I feel that way. I was 16 years old. And uh, I mean, 16 years old, they don't have problems of the world in their bags, you know. So I, 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 I left carelessly. Like I didn't care about anything. But to feel that light and feel that God just filled my heart with this joy. And then this desire that I wanted to read the Bible. I remember very clearly before then I tried to go read my Arabic Bible. And it would be so hard I couldn't finish one page. And I close it and I leave. The minute I left and I arrived home, I went and looked my Bible that was full of dust. And I start reading and reading and reading. I couldn't even stop reading. And then they told me about a class that met in SIM in Khartoum uh, that were studying about the life of Jesus. So I start going there and just learning about Jesus. And I couldn't have enough and uh, start finding myself doing strange things with the group there. They had uh, like street evangelism, actually home evangelism, door to door, like Jehovah's Witness, who would go and we didn't care whether they were Muslim or were from South Sudan or whether any religion. We go and knock the door. Yes, we want to tell you about our Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done in our life. Would you like to hear about that? People there in Africa, they're very, very like welcoming. Even if they don't like it, they won't say no. They say, yeah, come on. <laughs> they open the door and then, <laughs> and then I, we, we go inside and share about Jesus Christ and tell them about our fellowship. And, um, and then God was doing something amazing in that time. Uh, to me, I look back today and I see it was his spirit moving. Because 
All of a sudden, I see my friend were coming to the Lord. My brother, my older brother, he looked at me and it's like, you became fanatic. And then he said, I'll never become like you. And a few months later, he was with me worshiping God in the church. And I told him, what did you say? <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm so sorry. I was so stupid. I didn't know what I was thinking. And, uh, and it was God was doing amazing things. And now I want to tell you about my friend who introduced me to missionaries who came like Tom with Safe Harbor. And then later on introduced me to Susie, actually, my wife. He is 100% Muslim. I was 50%, but this guy, his name is Yasser. I don't know if you remember him, Tom. Yasser, he's in Germany today. He... Now, when I came to the Lord and I was going to this fellowship and we were doing this, we were partnering with organization like OM, uh, Overseas Mobilization, I don't know if you're familiar with. They would send us books in Arabic and Bibles, and uh, they fund, we rent this uh, ship in the Nile, and then we make a Bible fair. And it's specifically so you attract Muslim people who love literature to come and look about Christian literature, but it will be opportunity to share the gospel with them. So a lot of people would come. At the same time, the government of South, North Sudan knew that the, that the money, because it was a quite a lot of money, knew that somebody's funding these guys, but they didn't know who it was exactly. So they wanted to cut it in the butt, you know, uh, the, the, the funding, where the funding comes. So they thought and sent a spy from the military intelligence, his name is Ali, to come and pretend he's seeking to know the truth and ask questions about the faith. And later on, when he goes a little bit deep and everybody trusts him, he will know who's the boss, who's behind all of this, and then they could arrest them or confiscate their money or find where the money, how the money is coming in the country and close it down. This guy's been coming and usually they, we do it back then in Christmas time because it's holiday and then Christianity is really out in the news. So they would come to the, to the Bible fair. So Ali, and that's his real name, Ali would come and pretend and would ask, and we'll be there. Everybody who's come and will ask, he asked question about the Bible, obviously about how Jesus is son of God and all of that. And people would just, we answer these questions. Now, he was coming for three days, and the people who were giving the answer were really good, that they were giving him answers. Everything that he asked, he was given the answer. And then he started doubting about Islam. So, when he goes back and report to his officers, they would see something different. They would see something like he's on the wall, you know? And they're like, what's going on? And before they knew it, actually, Ali had accepted the Lord and became a Christian. So they arrested Ali and throw him in jail. And then they told his family. And his family, his, his father-in-law was one of the imam. He hated, he goes immediately, take his wife, take his children, give it to another man. While Ali is in prison. Uh, we had a program, it was a national program, uh, a guy that, he does good things, he goes to like, uh, uh, 
elderly homes, take gifts to them, and they show it in the TV. And everybody loves that program. It's called Salat al-Tayba. That's in Arabic. It's mean the good deeds. He heard, he hear about Ali, this, and he's a national figure. So he goes specifically to go and talk to Ali in prison, trying to convince him and bring him to back to Islam, and it's like using his weight as a known person. And Ali says, no, I really believe this is the truth, and I found the truth, and I have peace with it. Three days later, this guy was involved in a car accident and dies. And he, before he dies, actually, he threatened Ali that if you don't listen to me, we're going to kill you. This guy dies completely. Now, my friend Yasser, he was the nephew, directly nephew to Ali, and he was a Muslim as well. He hated the fact his uncle became a Christian. So he started going to imams. How can I convert a Muslim who converted to Christianity back to Islam? And he goes to imam and asks them that, and the imam will tell, wouldn't give him really a good, solid answer. And will tell him, he's an inf- those are infidels, and your uncle, if he doesn't come by himself, he's going to hell. Why would you care? Just leave him to die. Leave him, you know? And he tries several imams, and nobody gives him really a good answer. So, so he gives up, and now he starts thinking what to do. Uh, while he was thinking what to do, one of the sons of Ali, uh, his older son actually, gets really sick, and then he's being admitted to hospital. This is sound like a made-up story, but I kid you not, this is true. It's the truth. And... Uh, his son was in the hospital, and then Yasser went to visit his son. Uh, the night, in the evening, the doctors comes check on him, and it's like, we're not quite sure what's the problem with him, but it seemed complicated, and it seemed like there's no hope. There's nothing we can do. Either he recovered by himself, or he dies. Simply that. The doctors leaves, and then some Christian who's been praying for Ali who were involved in actually sharing the gospel to Ali, they come to the hospital because they hear Ali's son is uh, sick. So they lay hand on the son and pray for him. And they leave. Yasser was there. He was watching. The following morning, the son recovered completely, said, when the doctors come and talk to him, they couldn't understand and figure out what had happened. It was like a night and day change. And Yasser watching all of this in front of his eyes, and he's like, he couldn't believe it. So he like, these, there's something special about this Christian guy. Maybe I should go and ask him, asking them what had happened, what did they say to my uncle to bring him to Christianity? I wanted to understand. And that way maybe I can bring my uncle back to Islam. He goes with that intention. He meet with missionaries from Sweden. Somebody connected. Oh, I know some missionaries. Come and talk with them. And uh, these missionaries from Sweden, they start talking with him. Say, yeah, we welcome you. Come ask us any question in the Bible. We will try to give you the best answer. Actual matter of fact, we have a Bible study in our home. And come, join us in a meal. And after we eat, we'll study the Bible. And for a whole month, every question that he asks these missionaries, they answer him back. And the real thing, it wasn't about the answers, actually. 
it was about how they accepted him and how they opened their home to him. That was really what touched his heart. So, him himself become a Christian. <laughs> yes, sir. He become a Christian. Now, obviously, we would ask what happened to Ali. Ali, uh, a lot of uh, missionaries and organizations and embassies hear about this story. It make a national, actually, uh, national news. And then they get involved. They pressure the government. So they release him. They put him back in jail. They release him. And one time when they release him, this guy, in one night, he gets a visa. They get him at night, like after five, get a ticket, and they fly him out the country to Holland, where he lives today. And he has a ministry there. Obviously, he lost his wife. He lost his children. And God gave him a Christian woman. Her name is Akhlas, uh, that they have their own family. And they live till today, and they minister actually in South Sudan. They raise fund there, and they bring it to South Sudan and help villages and have water. Uh, Yasser, also the same thing. He's been getting threatened, and, uh, and, and they wanted to arrest him. Uh, missionaries there that God also gave, him, gave them the way to actually allow him to escape to Nairobi, Kenya. So he goes there, and he goes to Thika, a town called Thika, that where he goes to technical school there. And while he was there, I was accepting the Lord, and, and I was staying, and I wanted to go to university. The government come with this program called the Islamic Popular Defense. They recruit uh, kids that finish high school, and they're going, send them to the south to fight against the rebel, the SPLA there, and, uh, and it was compulsory if you want to go to university. I felt I couldn't do that. It's like killing my own people. So I uh, opt out of the university opportunity in Khartoum. And Yasser tells me, actually, there's a lot of refugees from South Sudan in Kenya. And there's this organization that uh, give a scholarship to go to university. One of them was called uh, Arab, uh, A-R-A-B. And he said, come and try it. Maybe God would uh, give you opportunity to come. I go, I fly there, and back then, getting visa to Kenya was very difficult. I get the visa, I fly, I go, and I try to get the scholarship. It couldn't happen, and uh, I was stuck, and then I was told, you have to go to Kakuma refugee camps and become a refugee. So I went there, and then he asked her here about all that, and then he tells me, uh, can you come? I come, and he introduced me to... Uh, missionaries who were going, this is now in 98, who were going to help in a famine uh, in Tonge in 98. And uh, uh, at the, the same time, I, I did an interview with the Australian embassy to go to Australia and resettle there. Uh, the refugees there had these uh, opportunities. So he tells me, you need to go and help these missionaries. They need a translator. You're a Dinka, and they, you can help them. And I believe God has something for you. And I'm like, no way. Everybody is getting out of there. Why would I go there? It's a war zone. And uh, I hear bad stuff there. And he prayed for me, actually, that God would convince me to take the opportunity. And he's like, just think about it. And a few days later, this group actually, Safe Harbor, looked for somebody. They found somebody. They tried to get him a travel document to travel. It didn't work. 
So they come back to me again. It's like, oh, you really should go. And I was like, are they going to pay me? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, okay, that's a good idea. I'm going to go, and I'm going to make some pocket money so that I can go to Australia. That's a good idea. That's a smart of it. You should do that. So that was my motive to go, actually. I said, okay, I'll do it. I get into the plane, and it was a DC-3 plane. I don't know if you're familiar, you know, those like that. And, uh, and as I get in, Yasser slipped in my pocket a card. And he's like, don't open it till the plane take off. I'm like, okay. So I close the door, and, and, uh, and then we fly. And I open the card, and he said, Sabit, I've been praying for you. And I know God has something special for you in this place. Just open your heart and see what he has for you. That's all the card says. Okay. We go. We land in Tonge, dirt or strip. And then uh, nobody's there. Nothing is there. It didn't shock me because I'm familiar, obviously. That's home. And uh, all of a sudden, these uh, naked children coming out from trees, little one by one. And then all of a sudden you start seeing people literally skin on bones. Nothing on them. And um, for the first time I see what it looks like when people die of hunger. It's, it's very horrible. Um, and the group that I was with, um, uh, they were start bringing food and and we start having these feeding centers, and we go to homes to people, older people that couldn't get, come out of their home, carry them to the feeding center, feeding them, um, giving them medicine. There was some doctors. And as I watch these missionaries, just seeing the love of God, again for the second time, how the risk, because it was a war zone, that didn't frighten them, how people's smell didn't really bother them, how they looked didn't bother them. And this, this joy coming from their heart and sharing and giving food and loving on these people and sharing the word of God. Every day uh, in the morning before we started work, we would, somebody would read a, a passage from the Bible and share devotion and what was God is putting in his heart. One day, somebody shared from John 10.10, 10, and we all know this verse where Jesus says, The thief come to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come so that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And this person starts sharing about how God has this special plan for each one of us. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. You're in a place like this, in Tonge, and feeding hungry people, dying people, and you question, what would good would come from that? And it was a really good devotion. Later on that night, I was thinking about this verse, and I start hearing God telling me, you are looking for a special, easy, restful life. You wanted to go to Australia, and so I have a greener pasture. But if you follow me, I'm going to give you the best life you ever had, uh, you never had before. If you trusted in me and, and, and follow what I have for you. I didn't understand. What I understood, I cannot stay there. 
because it was a war zone and it's very tough. When we came out, Safe Harbor asked me if I could go back again with them and help them. And matter of fact, they asked me, we want you to do this with us on a regular basis. When, when I went actually with Safe Harbor, I wasn't walking with the Lord. I started smoking and going to places that wasn't, uh, as a Christian, you should do. And I felt very convicted in that trip. As a Christian, I was doing things that I wasn't supposed to be doing. And I start praying that God would strengthen my face. And now I'm around these new people. Maybe my life should become more worthy to the calling that he had in my life. I start having a struggle as if to listen to God and stay in South Sudan. Or continue with my uh, plan going to Australia. And I was just waiting for a visa. I did an interview and everything. And I felt for some reason that God started putting in my heart, I should stay and do that and leave Australia. And I found myself saying yes to Safe Harbor and going with them. And I didn't know about what was God saying. And today I look it back. If I would have listened to my own self and gone to Australia... I would have missed out in a big time because the things that God is making me to be part of and he is doing in Tonge, the clinic, the Bible school, my wife who I met there, the children, you know, and the joy and the opportunity just to be able to travel everywhere, you know, like without, because I'm married to Susie, you know, um, because I work with the church as a pastor, I couldn't have gotten that opportunity. And he just tells me how God, in his amazing way, just he wants us to trust him, and then he will do things in an amazing way uh, that would blow our mind. Let me share this verse as I finish. Uh, It's in Jeremiah 29. We're all familiar with this verse. And there's one, 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 One part of it, verse 12. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your hearts will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to a place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. The place that really touched my heart in this verse is that when God put in our heart to seek him and call him, he is so faithful to reveal himself and bring us. Whether you're in a dark place or in, you're not sure you know, about your salvation or you don't know him, he is always faithful to come and bring you to that place where you would know him, where you have that eternal peace and he will show you the plan that you, he has for you. Uh, amazing things, bringing people to know him uh, just through obedience and place to him. So that's my story coming to the Lord uh, from uh, uh, Islam 
have 50% uh, Muslim background and also from a Catholic background, not knowing him and him revealing himself to me. Well, that's all. What an amazing testimony. I, my mind and heart went so many places while he was talking, just realizing, first of all, when we get to heaven, we're going to get to hear these kinds of stories uh, in their fullest form. These kinds of things, how God directed our lives, and uh, in amazing ways, I think we don't know the half of it. I mean, we tell the story, but the Lord's saying, if you only knew there's, there's three other miracles or, or more involved. And so when we get to heaven, I think that's what eternity is for, is to glorify Jesus, to hear the wonderful ways he was working in our hearts and lives. The other thing, and, and I hope, Pastor Savette, you're okay with this. I'd like you to uh, pray over us a special prayer tonight. Specifically for those who feel like you're struggling with two very clear options. And right now, you really identify to that part of the testimony where God has put something there. And it seems perhaps like a struggle between your comfort zone and what God is asking you to do by faith. So I don't even need to give you more details because you already know if you're that person struggling and so I, I want Pastor Savette why don't you come on back up here and, and just to pray a prayer because you've been there and you saw it yes. and you can pray with some insight and here's what we're going to do we'll just uh, in an attitude of prayer uh, I'll ask you just if you're having this kind of struggle or you just really want to do God's will whatever that is uh, why don't you just stand where you are and I'm going to ask Uh, So we have to pray a special prayer over you. All right? So why don't you stand if you're struggling with that kind of thing. Amen. All right. Awesome. Quite a few people, all right? Let's wait on the Lord and Pastor. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much because, Lord, none of us here, Lord, deserve uh, to be before your presence. You see our hearts. Every intention and every thought we have, Lord, it's very clear to you. We thank you you don't leave us in that dark, lonely place, but you are always faithful to provide not just a way, but to come And take us by the hand and guide us to your presence, to your plans, to your will. To a place we experience you in a new way that will lift us up. That will bring peace and joy and love into our lives. Mm -hmm. So I lift, Lord, your people who desire you, who seeking you, Lord, that you would... Reveal yourselves, Lord, in a fresh, in a new way to them, Lord. That you would take away the blinders. You will take away, Lord, the things that are 
obstacle that doesn't allow us to see who you are. The best thing that could happen to us is that we will see you for who you are and that we will worship you, we will love you and follow you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would pour your spirit on your servants, Lord, and then you would reveal yourself to them. They would see you, Lord, and fall in love with you, Lord. You would answer every question that they have. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Awesome. Thank you. So, Ben, you know what I really like about that prayer at the end is the answer to all those struggles always comes down to one thing. It's may they fall in love with Jesus. What You just want to think that that's the answer. Just show me A or B and I'll, I'll do it. But it's as your heart falls more in love with Jesus, uh, the answer's are evident and you have the courage and the will to want to do whatever it is that the Lord is saying to do and oh boy when we do what what the Lord is asking us to do we're just blessed amen right yes we you are. imagine no Susie and no those three beautiful kids <laughs> you'd be out looking at kangaroos somewhere <laughs> <laughs> all do <laughs> you know this guy speaks four languages Four languages. English is, is nowhere close to the top. I mean, you've got your mother tongue. Yeah, Dinka. Dinka, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Dinka. That's very cute. I mean, it's nice. <laughs> it's nice. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm taller than you because I'm on this block. <laughs> and then Arabic. Yes. And Swahili. Yes. And then English. Right? English and Swahili. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. And when you think, what are you thinking? I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it depends where you are yeah. and what you're doing, probably. Yeah. yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. We're so we love you guys, and Thank uh, you had fun today. We did. We did. Well, uh, again, Nick and Barbara and Jim uh, taking us to the Bay Area and. Uh, just going under the Golden Gate Bridge, and they were in a boat. At uh, the yes, the boat. Yes, <laughs> and, and they went uh, to Angel Island, right? Yes. Did you? Yes, and we had a dip there. So did, you guys jumped in the water. Jumped in the water. But it you was told cold. me Africans don't like water. <laughs> no, they don't, don't like to swim. They don't like to swim. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys? <laughs> Why don't you like to swim? Yeah. Well, these guys might because they live next uh, lake, Lake Victoria, but I oh. don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because there's snakes in the water. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. We've been trying to keep them very busy every day. And And, uh, actually, we just really felt the love of the church. And uh, in a way, like uh, I was joking in my heart and I say, if it's like this, we would like to come to... Uh, Santa Rosa every year. Yes. Yeah. Well, you'll have a standing. You have a standing invitation, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh well. We we just know, you know, even though it's a war torn country and there's some hardship there. Yeah. Uh, we feel like God is knitting our hearts together. He is. You know, is. and uh, is. we'll be seeing you soon, no doubt. We'll mm-hmm. smuggle in some Dr. Pepper. Absolutely. You know? yeah. Yeah. Be, they love Dr. Pepper, if you didn't know why I said that. <laughs> 
All right, so Thank let's you. just ask God's blessing. Why don't you stand? Oh, we've got a song still. All right, stand for the closing song, then I'll be back. It's so awesome that after just a simple word of prayer, the Lord was so faithful to minister to Monica. We just felt God's peace come right when we prayed. And just we're glad that everything resolved. Monica, we love you guys very much. Uh, Pastor Nathan, we commandeered your uh, Bible study. So come on up here, close in a word of prayer. All right, we thank you guys for letting us. uh, Well, here's how it happened. After Sunday morning, uh, the lady said, well, we're coming anyway. We're we're going to wear mustaches, fake mustaches, and we're going to be sitting in the back, and I hope you don't mind. And I said, I think I'll just send out an email and invite everybody. So, you know, uh, thank you for your hospitality and your flexibility. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, this is father of Jacob, if you didn't know that. He's doing an awesome job, man. So he plays on Tuesday nights when you lead, right? Uh, he plays at the mission with me. Oh, at the mission. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. All right, Pastor Nathan, bless us with a closing prayer. Father God, Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. Yes, Lord. Lord, as unworthy as we are, um, we, we are just grateful. So we thank you that you have ended our Bible study here for the summer in such a fantastic way. Mm-hmm. Lord, in and blessing us through Pastor Sabat and uh, just revealing again through testimonies of your incredible power and the way you work um, wonders through your people, through those that love you and are committed to you. Mm-hmm. Lord, you have orchestrated things from before time began, and we just see that over and over. So thank you for strengthening our faith, Lord increasing our our uh, hope in you thank you and, uh, so we we again marvel uh, but we're not surprised in your goodness and we ask that you would uh, continue to to bless pastor Sabet and his family and mm-hmm. and uh, the brothers from Kenya Lord and the work that you're doing all over the world and thank you that you allow us to be a part of that yes. in so many ways we bless your name and, and uh, pray these things and the unspoken prayers too. Lord, in your precious name, we give thanks. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Don't forget about tomorrow night, midnight, midnight, <laughs> midweek service. And uh, Pastor Sabet's wife, Susie, will be speaking and sharing her testimony. And it's a humdinger. So we'll see you tomorrow night. God bless you. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.